Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation Certified Instructor and Resiliency Expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the many and varied challenges of life. You can find out more about me in this interview at my website, which is Tom, the number two, and tall, T-A-L-L dot com. My guest today is Sam Silverstein, and he's this founder and CEO of Sam Silverstein, Inc. Did I pronounce it right, Sam Silverstein? Oh, you uh, did it. Perfect. Absolutely okay. perfect. <laughs> uh, Sam uh, Silverstein, Inc. is an accountability think tank dedicated to helping companies create an organizational culture that prioritizes and inspires accountability based on helping organizations develop what they believe in, clarify their mission, and understand what is under their control. Sam works to make this a more accountable world. He's the author of several books, including Non-Negotiable, No More Excuses, and Making Accountable Decisions. He speaks internationally, having worked with Uh, teams at companies, government agencies, communities, and organizations big and small. He's the past president of the National Speakers Association, uh, one of my favorite organizations. And uh, welcome to the show today, Sam. Well, Tom, thank you. It's my honor and my pleasure to be here. And uh, the two words on your website and that you focus around are words I've been really paying attention to, accountability and authenticity. Uh, Sam, there's probably a lot of us in our industry or there are ones I've come across where my feeling was uh, that they're not authentic. And it's very difficult to connect emotionally and psychologically with someone when you get that internal feeling about not being authentic, and then accountability. Oh, my wife uh, My wife will attest to this. If I or her say we're going to do something, I'm pretty uh, fanatical about making sure it gets done, and if I have not 100% certainty that it will be done, I will say I might do it, I'll consider doing it, I'll ponder doing it, but there will be be some clarification in there if I am not 100% sure I'm going to do it. And so great topics, great things to talk about. Let me start with, uh, we mentioned before the show, you're a fan of Napoleon Hill, and Napoleon Hill's number one principle for success of his 17 was definiteness of purpose. And I've never heard a young kid grow up saying, Mommy, I want to be an accountability expert. I'm going to go to school and make people accountable. And I never heard parents say, my Johnny is going to study hard to be an accountability expert. How did this come to be your your passion and your purpose uh, in life? Well, that's a great question. And, it, you know, I, I, I can't tell you that I grew up thinking that, that this is what I was going to do. But over 20 years ago when I first started working with individuals and organizations to help them be better, because that's ultimately what we all as people want. We we want to be better. 
we want to be better individually. We want to help our organization get better. We want a better community to live in. We want to create a better world. And I was all over the board, and I didn't have that definite purpose in, 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 in how my message was delivered. And so it was several years into this, and I'd, I'd written a couple of books, and then I realized that, that I, the, the focus wasn't there, and I wasn't getting the result. And here's the thing. When we're not getting the result we want, Many times I find when we work with organizations, because we work with companies small and large, long-term to help them get where they're going, companies tend to want to change what they do. They say, okay, this isn't working. Let's change our tactics. And they immediately go to the tactics. It's not about changing what you do. You've got to change what you believe. You see, if you're, getting, if you're not getting the results you want, you have to ask the question, what belief do I have this leading me to the result that I'm getting, and how does that need to change? And I believed, I realized, I, w- I believed based on my actions that I could be all things to all people, that I could, that I could um, talk about relationships, and I could talk about personal growth, and I could talk about creative marketing, and I could talk about sales. And, and even though I had experience in all those areas, and when I stepped back and looked at what I really did and looked at, at, at what what I believed was at the very core of uh, individuals and organizations that excelled, I realized it all came back to accountability. This was the bedrock. This was the foundation. This was the core in which we needed to build on. And so I, I jettisoned anything that was around the perimeter of that and started looking at everything that I do and everything that our clients do through the lens of accountability. And when I changed what I believed, I started changing what I was doing, and then I was changing the results that I was getting for our clients, and it was significant. Mm. <laughs> wow, and sometimes uh, it takes a little bit of trial and error and learning on our own part to really discover what our true purpose is in life. And uh, an interesting story always to find out how people came to their purpose, especially when their purpose is not uh, doctors and lawyers and all the things that parents want when their kids are young. And so uh, how do you uh, define accountability? Uh, Is it a different definition for organizations, for people, for governments, or can you define accountability in a way that applies to everyone and every organization? Well, accountability doesn't change no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what you look like, no matter whether you're an individual or an organization, um, accountability is keeping your commitments to people. Now, there's a difference between accountability and responsibility. And this is where society gets in trouble, is we tend to use those two words interchangeably. We are responsible for things, but we're accountable to people. Accountability always revolves and engages and involves a person and a relationship. You're, you're responsible for things. You know, that report's not going to hold you accountable. That book that you need to finish is not going to hold you accountable. That, uh, um, that, that ditch that you've got to dig so you can plant that tree is not going to hold you accountable. But you know what? You'll hold me accountable and I'll hold you accountable. 
and maybe even more importantly, and how we like to refer to it is, Tom, you'll help me be accountable, and I will help you be accountable. Mm, that is a that is a really good uh, qualifier, or a good way to distinguish it. Because yeah, we are responsible for a lot of things. Parents, uh, we're responsible to be a good spouse, uh, to be a good community member, a good employee. Uh, all the different responsibilities we have. But in the end, those responsibilities go back to, in those different areas, who are you accountable to for those uh, responsibilities? And so very unique distinction because people could be pretty frustrated if they don't make that distinction, right, between accountability and responsibility. Well, that's just it. And so what happens is, here's what we've created. We've created a thing where people see accountability as negative and it's punitive. It's punishment. Okay, uh, someone screwed up. This didn't work out. Who made the mistake? Okay, who's going to be accountable for this? And that's how we use that word. And that's not what it's about. That's, you know, who's responsible for this project? Who is responsible for not lock, locking the door and letting the dog out? Who is responsible? I mean, that being responsible and being honest, is, is totally different than being accountable. Let's go back to that definition. Accountability is keeping your commitments to people, and the two words in there that are critical, people, it's about people, and it's about commitments. And this is where we've really strayed because, you know, most of us, I don't think, know what a commitment is. And so we have to say, what is a commitment? And a commitment is absolute. And a commitment, you can't justify around a commitment. You can't rationalize around a commitment. Look, I told you I would be here on this phone line at a certain time. I made a commitment to you. Now, if somebody called me up and said, Sam, we're going to pay you a million dollars to um, come do this or this or this or this, well, does that change my commitment? What if they said, we'll pay you $500, or we'll pay you $1,000, or we'll pay you $10,000? Is it okay for me to break the commitment, you know, at a million dollars, but it's not okay at 500 I mean, it was a commitment, which means that any other opportunity that presented itself, I said no to because I was committed to you. Now, and I, I, in saw, an, cool, in an I saw a cool video on your website with a story about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a feeling I know where you're going, but uh, which video are you referring to? Might it involve a, a, a certain young lady? A certain young lady slash daughter and a certain oh. high-paying slash customer. <laughs> right, so I made a mistake. I um, Yeah, the exact. The story is that uh, I booked a speech with a client and it was uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning after one of my daughters was graduating high school the evening before. And uh, there was no way to get from St. Louis to Washington, D.C. for this speech. And, and so I, com I had a commitment. To I never told my daughter I'd beat her. Now, here's the other thing. Commitments are both spoken and unspoken. Now, we don't have enough time on this show to, to go there. But there's spoken and unspoken. I told you I would be here at 10 o'clock. That's a commitment. I never told my daughter I'd be at her graduation. It was understood. 
Now, now keep in mind, there's a lot of things like that in life. When someone comes to work for you, you might say, well, I'm going to pay you so much, but that's, you know, what all, what all are you committed to that you haven't said? Like providing a safe work environment, providing a place where if they're creative, they can come to you with their creative ideas and not get shot down. Providing a place where if there's a problem in the organization, they can bring it up freely and talk about it. Those, these are commitments that we make to people or should be making to people. And so in the situation with my daughter, the unspoken commitment was it's your graduation. Of course, why would I miss your graduation? Well, we ended up having to charter a plane so I could both be at the graduation that night and be in Washington, D.C. for my client the next morning. And even though they were conflicting, I was committed to both and I was willing to spend at whatever level necessary. Now, usually commitments don't involve huge sums of money, and they're so easy to just dust off. You know, it's like, hey, Tom, let's, let's go to the ball game together this weekend. And so, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to catch a ball game on, on Saturday afternoon. And then come Friday, somebody calls me up and says, you know what, um, uh, we're going fishing, and we've got this, this guide and, and, and all this. He lays out this beautiful situation, and, and it's a, a great opportunity or whatever. And, and so I call you, and, and let's, can we reschedule? Well, that's not keeping my commitment to you. You've been planning around going to the ball game. I don't know what you've turned away um, or anything like that. I made that commitment to you. And when I keep that commitment to you, and I show up and we do that, and you know that I keep my commitments to you, well, it puts you in a position also where you want to keep your commitments to me. And then what happens is accountability starts to grow. It grows between the two of us, and then it grows between the two of us and other people in our lives, and it keeps going out in concentric circles as it gets bigger and bigger, and we just grow this accountability zone that we live in. Mm-hmm. I love it. And when you said a commitment is absolute, the thought that came to my mind is that is what marriage is like. Uh, and some people I can talk to about it uh, that way, but uh, someone who's married with four children uh, and whatever age you might be probably understands this concept very well that uh, a commitment is absolute, and uh, marriage, when you make a commitment to someone, uh, I'll be honest, I don't always love my wife, and sometimes I'm upset at her, uh, but I committed that um, her husband, good, bad, ugly, otherwise, everything in between, uh, forever. And so that's a good example of a commitment as well, isn't it, where you don't always feel the initial feeling you had when you made that commitment, but you committed. Well, that's a great example, and that's exactly what it's about. But you, you know, it's, we need to take our commitments seriously. We need to take them seriously on the front end when we're making the commitment. And, you know, I, I know that you took your commitment seriously when you got married. I took mine seriously. That doesn't mean that there aren't bumps along the way. It doesn't mean that, but I have a, a woman that works with me. She's really my thought partner and, and part of this organization. Her name is Sharon Miner. And, and um, you know, when, when she joined our organization, I made a commitment to her. I made a commitment that, 
that that um, that we would run a financially sound business, that we'd be able to pay her as as we said we would, that 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 I would find where her strengths were and 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 help put her in a place where she could maximize those strengths, that potential. And, and these are all things that I made a commitment to, whether I ever said it or not. And, but it was a serious moment for me when I brought her into the organization. Anytime I make a commitment, it's a serious moment. And we can't just take that lightly. We have to think through it. If, if I'm telling you we're going to the ball game, I need to be – I need to – even a simple thing like that, I need to think, okay, what else is going on? What, what's the situation, you know, and, and is this really a commitment? Because once I make it, I'm not going to change it. It's just not going to happen. Mm, and, uh, uh, yeah, and so now in, an, in a company, in an organization, is it possible to – Demand accountability from every person and from a company. Uh, uh, not at all. And <laughs> okay. You might not have might not have seen that one coming. Yeah, I knew. <laughs> I thought the answer was going to be yes. Absolutely yes. No. Here's the thing. You. We get this call all the time. You know, people call and say, uh, Sam, come in and talk to organization. Come in and talk to our team. Uh, they need to be more accountable. Tell them they need to be more accountable. And, and our response is we don't do that because it can't be done. Now, there's a lot of people out there that say they do that and say they can do that, but they don't get a result because you do not demand accountability. You inspire accountability. Mm. And this is huge. This is huge. Remember, I said accountability is not punitive. Accountability ultimately is your competitive advantage because it's what separates you. It's what makes you different. I mean, look, I don't care whether you're in multi-level marketing. I don't care if you're in the automobile industry. I don't care if you're in furniture. I don't care if you're a consultant. I don't care what business you're in. There's a million other businesses that do the same thing, sell the same products. Um, the only thing that's going to separate you is who you are and the culture of your organization, and the bedrock of that is going to be accountability. So all of our research shows that you can inspire people to be accountable, but you can't make them be accountable. And that's a huge difference. And the people that have figured that out, oh, my gosh, it's amazing because you know what? Tom, if you want to be accountable, you're going to do it. But if you don't want to be accountable, you're not. And if I try to force you, it's not going to happen. Mm. And I totally understand where you're coming from there. Having worked for some amazing people, uh, if you inspire someone as a leader, as a manager, the people under you are going to feel more compelled personally to be accountable to you be authentic with you be open with you and share with you then if you don't inspire that and you are not the type of boss or manager or leader that brings that out in people then the feeling is not there i don't need to be accountable to this 
dude, this, exactly. whatever. Yeah. Now, back that up, though. Tom, back that up, because you said something. You said something that's so key at the beginning of that. You said, I have worked for some amazing people. You didn't say, I've worked for some amazing organizations. I've worked for some amazing companies. You said you worked for some amazing people. And that's what it is. You know, you don't work for a company. You work for a person. There's a personal relationship. And if that personal relationship is caustic, then you're not going to have accountability. But when the leader in the organization understands that their responsibility is to develop the potential in the people that they lead, when they understand that leadership is never about them, it's about the people, when they understand that they have to trust their people if they're ever going to get trust from their people, that they have to be accountable to their people. Wow, I hit it on the head and I didn't even... I hit it on the head, that, and I didn't even know it. For people, oh, right? You work for people. You don't work for companies. Everyone, exactly. even the, the president and the CEO, still works uh, for people, with people. And so highest level to lowest level, you're working with someone and for someone. And, wow, <laughs> that is a powerful distinction. For sure, you work with people, and if you inspire it, like I'm not great at confrontation or the negative discussions in life is not something I'm great at or love to do. But if you have a, an inspiring leader or manager, you feel so open and free and stress-free to share the reality of your existence uh, as opposed to a boss where you're like nervous to even knock on their door or grace them with your facts of your life or the challenges of your life and makes a big difference. Oh, absolutely. And so think about, you know, you talked about at the very beginning that there were two words that really caught your attention, and it's authenticity and accountability. Um, And so they go hand in hand. So think back to that that person, you know, what we call the accountable leader. Now, we take the position that the accountable leader is the highest form of leadership. The accountable leader is, is someone that's got to be willing to take a stand. Um, it's the accountable leader is someone that, that takes the time to understand someone's needs and what motivates them and allow them to be the best that they can be. Um, it, it, the, the accountable leader knows it's not about what they do, it's how they think. It's how you think about your people. It, it's like I, I, I was going on stage for an organization The night before a program, the COO of an organization said, now, Sam, the people you're speaking to tomorrow are supervisors. None of them have a college degree, so you don't need to get overly uh, sophisticated in your message. Keep it simple and um, just give them three or four good points. Now, he thought he was preparing me for the next day. Now, what I realized in that moment is Mm – he was limiting his people. Yes. You see, you lead your people based on what you believe about them. And so he, bas- he believes that his people don't have, at this level, don't have a college education. And so you can't get sophisticated. You have to keep it simple. And this is all they're going to be. And this is as far as we can take them. And let's just give them a couple of good ideas. And we had a day of training. And life is good. And life goes on. And, and so what does that do for the organization? 
It does nothing. It doesn't allow them to grow. Now, this is an organization that's successful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can't be successful, that you can't make money. But, oh, my gosh, what if we'd taken those 650 supervisors and we grew them? I mean seriously grew them as individuals, as people, as supervisors, as leaders. Think what would happen, because if we grow them, they're going to grow all the people that report to them. Now what's going to happen to this organization? The organization's going to explode. Mm. But it's always it's going to come back to what you think about your people. And if you think that they have limitations, then they do. And if you think that they have potential, and it's your responsibility as an accountable leader to discover that potential and lead them to the potential that they might not see for themselves, then that's a game changer. Wow. <laughs> this is good stuff, Sam. Now, uh, authenticity, uh, it's hard to define, truly hard, like hard to define, but many people can discern uh, when people are not authentic. Uh, uh, and that's a problem when people are not authentic. And I, even myself, I'm trying to think of what is like, how could you even tell a story about authenticity or describe it? Uh, for instance, like if I'm in public and speaking and training, uh, I am as authentic as I can be, but I act differently than I do at home. I'm an introvert at home. I'm more quiet, not likely to be standing up in front of crowds if you saw me in, in home or in a social presence. Uh, but, but I don't think that's being inauthentic, acting or behaving or doing differently while you're speaking and training than you are at home. But do you have some thoughts on on authenticity? Because I think some of these big leaders of companies and managers of large groups of people, uh, I think if they can be authentic with their people, it really helps their people be accountable and authentic to them. Well, you've nailed that, really. It's... You know, it's very attractive. Authentic people are very attractive. Um, you know, I talk about being real, keeping it real. That's authenticity, being real, transparent, honest, honesty. You know, it's easy to get up on a stage and, and act like the world you live in is perfect and that I don't have any problems and life is easy. But that's not giving a true and real message to people, and that doesn't help them. People are going to attach to someone that's willing to say, I struggle. Not just I have struggled, but I struggle. Look, I struggle. I struggle in my business. You know, I told you about this amazing individual that's, that's part of our team, Sharon. We fight sometimes like cats and dogs. And, you know, many of the times I've caused the problem. And yet we find a way to work through it. And so I'm not perfect. I don't always say the right thing or do the right thing. And more than anything, I, I, I want the people around me to, to help me be accountable, to tell me when I'm off track. But authenticity is, is, is critical. And, and I, have, I have a saying, you can't fake authenticity. <laughs> um, yeah, and so the, the thing is, we think that we look weak if we expose that soft underbelly, if we allow people to know 
that we're less than perfect, that we have failed. But it's the opposite that's true. It takes a strong person to admit what their weaknesses are. And, now hear this, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And if you know what your weaknesses are and you're honest about your weaknesses, ultimately you'll find yourself surrounding yourself with people who are strong in those areas that you are weak. And it may be in your personal life and it may be in your professional life. And you can go back and you can look at, at, at presidents that had, you know, presidents. Well, forget the Democrat-Republican issue in the United States. I don't care which party you're, you're for. This is not about politics. But you take a president like, like uh, George Bush, uh, the son. And, you know, here's a guy that's president of the United States. He had weaknesses, and people knew he had weaknesses. But one of his greatest strengths was he surrounded himself with people who were strong where he had weaknesses. That's the mark of a great leader. But that only comes from being honest and transparent with yourself and with the people around you. Hmm. I love it. And there's a real great feeling of, you can be more authentic when you have people that are looking after the areas that you're deficient in. So maybe it's a less stressful existence to be authentic. Mm, no, to acknowledge. no, it's the other way around, Tom. No, all right. <laughs> you, will, you will have people looking, when you are more authentic, you will have people looking out for you in those areas that you have weaknesses. Oh, but that and also makes it less stressful for you because you know that those areas are being covered or watched or helped with. Right, exactly, because you don't have to worry about making a show or covering up or, or, or not disclosing something. You just, you are you. I mean, look, Tom, ultimately at the end of the day, you do an amazing job at what you do. And if I looked at you and and I tried to be like you, you know, the best I could be is, a, is, is an almost as good as Tom. That's the very best I could be. <laughs> Likely, I'd be a poor version of Tom. But I can be a great Sam. And I, I can be an amazing Sam. And I can be a Sam that no one else can be. And, but to do that, I've got to be authentic. Right. Right, so they tie in so well together. Authenticity, accountability, responsibility, they all tie in really well with each other, don't they? Exactly. Now, what does it take to create an accountable organization, assuming you don't have it now uh, or you have it in some degrees, but you want to create this as a culture in the entire organization, how do you do that uh, as a, at a senior level leader? Wow. Tom, I think that's another, an, an, almost another conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> it's a long one. <laughs> well, I mean, there's just a lot that goes into that, but it, it really, you know, and we've been talking around that. I, I think the first thing you have to understand is, 
is is that um, accountability is not a way of doing; it's a way of thinking. Mm. Oh wow! You can never, you cannot do your way to accountability. You can think your way to accountability, and we have to change the way we think. Now, ultimately, when we change the way we think, we will change what we do. But if we're just focused on on what we're doing, well, it's always going to come back to what it was because your mm. actions are always going to be predicated by your beliefs. Mm. So accountability, first and foremost, is a way of thinking. And if you want to create an accountable organization, you've got to step back and then you've got to look at what you're thinking. And that goes to what is it that you believe. What do you believe? What do you believe as an individual? What do you believe as an organization? And if those don't line up, then there's, there's a, a, a deficiency in authenticity right from the very start. Because you know what? If on Friday or Saturday or Sunday you're saying one thing, but on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday you're saying something else, that's not authentic. And that's not a, a, a consistency in what you believe. And your actions need to support what you believe. Because if you say you believe something, but your actions tell me something else, I'm going to tell you, you don't believe it. I'll give you an example. One of our clients and their core values, they, well, one of our clients in their policy manual said that, they're, they, said that they believed that you know, community service was important. When I talked to the owner, he says, community service is important. I said, okay, how's that showing up in your organization? And he says, well, we allow our employees two days a year paid to where they can go serve in the community. I said, okay, great. So how does that show up? How many, how many employees, how many paid days did you have this past year where someone went out and did community service? Well, there was this long silence. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> The answer was none. Ooh. So my response is, community service isn't important. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, that hurts, okay? That hurts. I know. I've been in the same situation. I get it called on me, you know, in my office. Someone will say, okay, we say that we believe this. How's it showing up in our organization? You know, we have those kind of frank conversations around here because – if you don't know what you believe, you're in trouble. If you think you know what you believe, but it's not what you believe, you're in trouble. This is at the very heart of building an accountable organization because ultimately when you know what you believe and you're consistently living it, that's the first step in building that culture that inspires accountability. So when we help them rewrite what we call non-negotiable core values and we help them do that, involvement in the community was right on there. Now, now I'm not talking about just creating a piece of paper, but I'm talking about articulating and teaching what it is that, that you are, um, what you believe. So, you know, for them, you know, they specifically said, serve the community, actively volunteer, give and participate in your community. Now, next thing I know, they're teaching it. You see, most organizations, they'll tell you, well, we know what we believe. We, we've got our company values. <laughs> and, uh, They're you know, on the wall over honest. there. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're, so where do they show up? Well, they're on the website. They're, it's, it's a large <laughs> company. It's on the annual report. It's on the cafeteria wall. 
but nobody knows what they are, and they don't know what they mean. And so they don't live them. And until you, until you define them and you teach them, and everyone, and I mean, Tom, everyone, from the CEO to the person pushing the broom on the shop floor knows what you believe is an organization. Until they all know that, they can't live it. And if they can't live it, you don't believe it. And that's the position that we take. And once they started defining them, this organization, and teaching them, all of a sudden they have groups of people going out and painting homes in the community. They're on TV. They're in the newspaper. They're getting, they're getting free publicity for doing this stuff. And they're serving the community. Their team is pulling together. And now something that they say that they believe is real, it's showing up in the organization, and they are becoming a more accountable company. And you're talking right to my favorite points. Uh, as a resiliency expert, I talk about your most, everybody's most valuable resource are the thirty to sixty thousand thoughts that go through your head every day. And to be anything authentic, accountable, responsible. Those beliefs and thoughts got to be in your head and you got to choose them because if you don't purposely choose those 30 to 60,000 thoughts, guess what? The negativity of the world will fill them. The TV, the radio, your friends, the weather, the traffic, every negative topic you can think of will be pounded into those 30 to 60,000 thoughts unless you purposely decide and choose what you think you believe in what you're going to focus on. And so you're right talking to my bailiwick there. It's what you believe, which comes from those thirty to 60,000 thoughts every day. Let's, okay, let's extrapolate that, though, just a little bit further. When you have an accountable organization, when you build an accountable organization, then what happens is people feel inspired to share those thirty to 60,000 thoughts. And when you don't have an accountable organization, then what happens is those people keep those thoughts to themselves because the environment's not safe. What happens if 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 this idea doesn't work? What happens if we fail? Um, i got to hold on to this thought or idea because I need to protect myself and I might need a, an ace in the hole to look good at some meeting. Um, right. And so now what happens is um, this an organization, Wainwright Industries, manufacturing organization, Malcolm Baldwin's award winner, which is the – the highest uh, award you can earn in the United States with regards to uh, uh, performance as an organization. And uh, they have, on average, one suggestion or idea on how they can improve that company per employee per week. One idea per employee per week. Now think about that. Now think about what can happen in an organization when your people are willing to share those thirty to 60,000 thoughts and ideas and creative uh, inspirations that they have. If they share them and then you have and then you, you, you actually capture them and think about them, 
I mean, the growth potential is unlimited. Whoa. Yeah, it's, but it's only going to happen when you create an organization that inspires accountability. And, Tom, I don't care, seriously. You know, it could be a company with, you know, $600 million in sales and 2,300 employees. It could be multi-level marketing and, and you and your downline. And when you inspire accountability and you get the people on your team wanting to be accountable, then things happen that you never imagined can happen. And that's what we see with, that's what we see with our clients. That's what we see in the marketplace. And it's just, it's an exciting way to engage with companies. You know, our, our, our ultimate our ultimate mission is empowering people to live accountable lives. And we work with organizations, but we, we also work in a larger scale in, in projects that we have in building accountable communities where we bring not only businesses, but the, um, we bring government, we bring uh, social organizations. And we, our goal is to not just help a organization be accountable, but to help a community create a place where they have an accountable um, community. And it happens one organization at a time. Wow. And you hit on a cool point that I hadn't thought about. But, yeah, not only those great thirty to 60,000 thoughts are your greatest resource, but for a company, you've got to get those thoughts out into the open. And a large percentage of employees are introverts. I'm an introvert. And so I have to be feel really comfortable uh, to share my thirty to sixty thousand thoughts, even with my wife and work and wherever I go, that's who I am. And so it has to be a comfortable, authentic, genuine audience for me to want to share those thirty to sixty thousand thoughts. And that's where the culture of the organization can help bring those amazing thoughts out by creating a culture where people, even the quietest and most introverted, feel comfortable to share their great ideas. That's how it works. Wow. <laughs> Sam, before we started, we I said, let's aim for 45 minutes. I think we could go on for a long time. But accountability and authenticity... And the more you have that in people, employees, leaders, and in companies, the better off your employees, leaders, managers, employees, prospects, customers, and community is going to be. But uh, it takes an effort, and it, as you said, it depends on what are your thoughts and beliefs and then your practices, because you can believe that serving the community and volunteering is great, but if it's only on your wall and not in your community, it's not truly your belief. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, look, if it's something that your listeners want more of, then uh, let's just let's come back and talk about this more, and let's go into, into the five elements that really drive the creation of an organizational culture that inspires and prioritizes accountability. And uh, I would welcome that opportunity. And so the website is uh, the same as your name, which is uh, one of the key branding tools I talk to people about. If you, if you can get your name, that's the best way to do it. So Sam, uh, dot uh, Amazing book on there as well. And 
looking forward to getting my signed copy of No More Excuses. Uh, I will devour that book. Uh, and on your website, you have uh, some great things you can sign up for, the five accountabilities for personal and organizational growth. Uh, so samsilverstein.com. Uh, great resources on there. I've been perusing it over the last few days and uh, learning lots. Watch that great video on your uh, website with a funny story uh, that we talked about earlier. So people go to the website and engage with Sam. This is an important topic. If you are any kind of a leader or a manager of people, um, you need to learn more about this accountability and authenticity uh, thinking of Sam. So go to the website, uh, get the book, No More Excuses, read it, pass it around, instill it in your people and uh, it'll make for an amazing organization uh, and make your life a lot easier as well. Thanks so much, Sam. This is, this, this is exciting. Some final thoughts from you. Well, I appreciate that. I really do. And, and there's a lot of free resources on that site. And I, I also put out a, an, an accountability thought every day that gets people thinking on Twitter. And, and at Twitter, it's, it, my Twitter handle is Sam Silverstein. So we'd love to connect there as well. The final thought is simply this. Um, accountability is not a way of doing it. It's a way of thinking. Um, your results are, that you achieve are a direct result to what it is that you believe. And if you're not getting the results you want, then it's a matter of stepping back and saying, what belief is it that I have that's leading to these results and how do I need to change that? And when we take the time and we think about that, especially with regards to the people that we lead, then we are taking the first steps to being a more accountable leader and building a more accountable organization. And when you do that, no matter what your results are now, even if they are positive results, when you become more accountable as a leader as an organization, you're going to see those results improve and you're going to have a positive impact on people's life. And that is a great place to be. Amen. And a lot of these principles can be applied in your family. You're the leader of your kids. Uh, your, your family is an organization in a sense. And uh, so a lot of these great skills, accountability, responsibility, authenticity, uh, great for organizations and leaders. But great in the family as well. Exactly. Thank you so much, Sam. It's Christmas Eve, and this has been... You got me all pumped up here now. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you, you got me excited. So thank you so much. Great ideas, great thinking. Everybody go to the website, get that book, No More Excuses, and uh, have yourself a great uh, Christmas tomorrow, uh, Sam, and holiday season, and... Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about you. I'm subscribing to your uh, YouTube station and your newsletter, and uh, I'm interested in what you have to say. I'm sure others will as well. Take care. Thank you, Tom. My honor. Take care.